Okay, so we just launched three of our episodes. Okay, yes. Sorry, I got distracted because I have another update. (gasps) I know. So I woke up this morning to a delightful email from Spotify, and they said, congratulations, you're in the double digits, which means we had 10 listens on our podcasts. And uh, to catch everyone up, at this point, we had just dropped episodes one through three because our mother wanted to listen to them. <laughs> and she, she did. And I wanted to listen to them. I listened to all of them twice and I've decided I'm a narcissist and that's the end of it. <laughs> I like listening to us too, <laughs> which I think means we're pretty good. <laughs> or that we're narcissists and it's actually really bad, but just hearing the sound of our own voice and opinions is like enough to delight <laughs> just us. <laughs> I think that's enough reason to keep making these podcasts. I think so. <laughs> okay. But I have an exciting announcement. Okay. So- Yeah, since the email this morning, we are now at 11 listens. Okay, I listened to all of them twice now. (laughs) I I really feel like it's just me listening multiple times. Well, okay, but it says five distinct listeners. And it was four this morning. Okay, so I did... I did post on Reddit, which I was scared to do because I was like, they're going to blast me for being me. Um, but someone said that they had just purchased the leather bound copy and they're like, I'm going to listen. <gasps> and I was like, please do. Someone responded? Someone responded. Someone. So at first I posted and Reddit, it defaults you with one like, kind of like to get the money and the tip jar, you know, oil the grease. It's when the casino gives you the free money. To get you started. Exactly. Yep. So they give you the one free like to get you started. And then that turned from a one to a zero. And I was like, boop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. But then it turned to a two. And I was oh, like, two? or maybe even a three. And no. I was like, oh my God. That means four people liked it. Oh my. Let me see. Okay, it was a three, including me. So two other people liked it. That's pretty good. It was pretty good. And I got a comment and they said that they were going to listen. And I was like, thank you so much in advance. I appreciate it. So the good good news is, is that I found out that mom and dad have not listened to any. What? They said they- Aside from- They listened to episode two. Okay, they listened to episode two, but they didn't listen to episode one or three. So all of those are just you and me. No. And way. episode three is the most episode three has five listens. And we're what? only two people. And it's mom a- and dad's not one of the five. And our husbands aren't one of the two of the five either. I know. I know. So that's three people. That's good. Wow. Doing good. I know. Who are you? Name yourselves. I know. I know you. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Although at this point we're on, I I really don't know what episode we're filming right now. Maybe it's 12. We are, so I was re-listening to episodes one through three and the whole time we're talking about, we're going to go faster. We never go faster. (laughs) (laughs) 
we should start like a oh I don't know some sort of like bingo game or something where it's like Candace says they're gonna go faster next next episode (laughs) knock it off (laughs) we never do I think the number one tip off that um, it's only been us who's listening is that because our audience is 100% female and one is between 23 and seven and the other is between 28 and 34. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one for you and one for me. <laughs> but three times. But yeah. <laughs> so I I think we we brought ourselves to the double digits. You know what? work harder not smart work smarter not harder so we're working smarter by just playing it to ourselves yeah just by listening we're taking notes we're trying oh. to improve do you see this 70 <gasps> percent from georgia 30 percent is from texas <laughs> kill me that's just us wait but why oh, because wait. i've listened 70% is from Atlanta because I've listened to it so many times. No, 100%. I love it. <laughs> Wait, but but why doesn't that percentage match up with the age percentage? Shouldn't it be 60-40 again? Why is it 70-30? I don't know. Maybe they have more information. Maybe if I'm like playing on my cell phone, not connected to my Wi-Fi, they know my age, not my location. Oh. I'll have to get a data science job at Spotify and then I can do some recon for us. You should. You can really, oh, yep, there it is again. 63 <laughs> 36% <Android>, iPhone. <laughs> this is consistent. Okay. Well, hi, mom. Hope you're <laughs> she there. Wasn't, she wasn't even one of them. It was only us. <laughs> she She wasn't, but maybe she will be by the next time. Maybe, maybe by this episode, episode 12, other people will be here. Yeah. Wow. This was enlightening. I know. I know. Those numbers, they're misleading because I'm on TikTok and I'm constantly watching my own stuff. And then I'm like, wait a minute. That's just me. (laughs) (laughs) I just watched it a thousand times. (laughs) When you're making good content, what can you say? Well, if I'm the only one watching it, that's um, questionable if it's good t- content. <laughs> but anything new going on with you? Anything you want to update us about? Um, I feel like last time all we talked about was my boob picture. So I think you need to give us an update. And if I have anything, I'll, I'll add it too. Your boob picture? I um, remember the Sundays. Yeah. What's the other part? Your cupcake. That was a euphemism. Yeah. How did the boob picture happen again? I had a painting bonding. <gasps> That's right. I remember. Yeah. That. Okay. That was- yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked me because I have something prepared. <laughs> at least one of us came prepared. I did come prepared. So this happened today. I was at the gym and I was working out and I'm over the age of 30 now. As Spotify and, us in the age range 28 to 34. Yep, yep. Spotify has already categorized me as into the middle-aged person or the older adult. And so I work out at a gym with a lot of, like I'm the youngest person at the gym, which is not always the case because now that I'm over 30, I'm not always guaranteed to be the youngest person in the room. When I was in the 20s, 
always guaranteed to be the youngest. Not so much now, but at my gym, I am because it's in the burbs and you have like a lot of parents and working families. So we're working out and we're doing kind of like a warm up. And I think the movement we were doing was sit ups and the music was not super loud. Normally during any time that people are moving, the music is loud, but the instructor didn't ramp up the music this time. And this person next to me farted so loud. Oh no. And it was like, it was huge. And I, I kind of like looked around with my eyes, but I didn't turn my head. I just kind of looked around to see if anyone was like going to laugh. And no one did. Everyone just kept going. Everyone kept going like they didn't miss a beat. And then that's when I realized I was old. That I was just going to say that. That's how you know you're in the old person class now. They don't laugh yeah. at farts. They're like, everybody's farting around here. <laughs> <laughs> None of us can keep it in. <laughs> yeah. It's like sometimes it just slips out and that's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Man, that's that's a tough realization. Yeah. I was like, wow. How'd it make you feel? It, at first I was kind of like, no one's going to laugh at this loud, like this loud, loud fart. And then I was like, okay, I'm juvenile. But then the other part of me is like, you guys are old. (laughs) So that's, that's what I have to share today. Wow. That was a, that was a good one. I thought so. Well, let's do the intro and you can roll us in with the summary. Oh yeah. Forgot we did that. All right. Welcome to Bookalicious, a podcast where two sisters chat about books we're reading. I'm Chrissy. And I'm Candace. And today we think we are starting with chapter 35. Um, We'll find out as we go along if we've already talked about this, but this feels pretty fresh. So chapter 35, we stopped here because so much happens in this chapter. It's one mm-hmm. of Spring's chapters again. So, you know, she's doing a lot in her few pages. Um, and in this chapter, it starts off with Serene talking to, in my notes, I wrote down Serene talks to two old men, her dad and Royal. And in the first part, she's talking to her dad and he's giving her some nice fatherly advice. Um, and during that conversation, we hear a lot of the updates of what's been going on in Erlon, Arleon, since we've last, uh, seen it. And then when she's talking to Royal, I don't know. Last time we talked about how he's kind of creepy and you mm-hmm. could in a few ways, but some things happen between Royal and Serene. They make a political agreement. Um, and then at the end, we see Serene and Harathan cross paths. That sounds good to me. I think the biggest thing that we find out is that King Iodin kills himself. Yeah. Yeah, they just dropped us on. They just dropped that on us. Yep. So basically what happened in the previous chapter is that King Iodin was found out to be performing the sacrifices on all of his servants slash help. And it it became public that he was practicing these kind of pagan religions. And then the next day, I guess he was just like, I can't take it. And he hanged himself wow wow we yeah we suddenly see a lot of death in the last three chapters 
Yeah. So yeah. what did what did you think about that? Did that feel like a fitting end to King Aiden? Did it feel like too sudden? It, it did feel a little bit sudden because then we never even, he doesn't say anything and he hasn't said anything in a really long time, actually, because mm-hmm. he didn't really say anything when Serene was like destroying him. And I don't think we really heard him say anything at the party. And then we see him sacrificing someone and he doesn't say anything there. And then he's just gone. I think the assumption is that we know that King Iodin is not going to make it on tax day. Whether he does or he doesn't at this stage of the game, I think a lot of people would say you cheated. You used Tiad, i.e. Serene to help you. And so I think there'd be like a lot of contesting his position. My question for you is if you are in a stage of like leadership where you're like, this is what I'm doing. And then someone says you have to go from King to peasant or King to Duke. And it's like a huge disgrace. Does hanging yourself feel like maybe at the moment an appropriate solution yeah I mean I I see where that's coming from I mean you you hang yourself or decide to do that or to take your own life when you feel like you have no other options Mm -hmm. right when you feel like it's that is the best option is to just end it end everything um so so I could see, I mean, that is what Iodin's whole life has revolved around, right? Was getting money and maintaining power and Arleon. And so if he's losing that, then he it does feel like, wow, I have nothing else to live for. I don't think that's a good perspective or the right perspective. Um, I see where he could kind of get to that. And maybe, maybe that makes it a fitting end for Iodin because maybe he didn't have a lot of other substance to him he was kind of just seemed one-dimensional motivated by money and that was it but I don't know was he just that one-dimensional I think you know there's definitely more to him because he was one way and then once he became king he changed which we know from royal oh I think to having his son afflicted with becoming an Elantran And now he doesn't even have an option for a legacy or anything like that. And I remember this from listening to our previous episodes. It's like we had talked about how when you're living for someone else, sometimes that can give you motivation to get through difficult times where you're like, I need to be here because X, Y, and Z is counting on me. Sometimes that can give you a little bit extra oomph to get through something very difficult. Yeah. And I don't know that anyone at this stage of the game is really leaning on Iodin to take care of them. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. I mean, his wife, we don't really know much about their relationship, but... It feels very convenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I... It it surprised me too when I read it the first time, but like you said, it's like, I can kind of see it given the fact that it's like his family's not there. Things are looking really dire. 
I could see how in a quick decision, you think this is going to be the right choice. Right. That said, I think, I don't know what it is. Is it a hundred percent, 90%, whatever it is, it's a very high percentage of people who decide to try to commit suicide and end their lives regret it. Right. When it comes to like that last moment where you're like, okay, this is it. Your body and your mind is like, I don't mean this. Yeah. So just something to keep in mind. Right. Oh, like as in that comes up later in the book or just a life thing? I just think it's life a thing. Okay. Where it's like, if you feel like this is so hard and I can't get through this and it's impossible just to know that like a lot of other people feel like that. And if it does feel like you're at a stage where you're like, I really want to harm myself or make sure that I don't have to experience this anymore, that other people who have gone through that, if they survive it, they always say they regret it. Right. Yeah. It's a good reminder. Yeah. But yeah, so we learn about um, Iodin's, Iodin's end. Um, what else do we learn from, from what's his name? Eventio. We find out there's a spy. Eventio has a spy that he has keeping eyes on Serene. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. One, one of my predictions when I read that was, is Royal the spy? Oh, so you did think Royal was the spy in the previous chapter. Yeah, you're right. I've had this thought a long time. <laughs> you have. You have. So I don't know. I, I'm i getting some weird vibes from Royal. Mm-hmm. And he seems out of all the people in the guys club, like he's the main character that we see from him. So if any of them were to be more complex and not what we expect, I imagine it would be, you know, Royal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically Serene has a conversation with her dad and through that conversation we find out that the king killed himself, which we've talked about. Um, Eventio was kind of like, I know this stuff. And she's like, how? And he's like, I have a spy. And then she's like, who's the spy? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you because you're going to be all up in their business and that's just not going to be good for my spy. And then after that, we find out that the Pope from... Tiod is going to come visit. Oh, that's right. Arleon. Yes. Sinalan, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So this is the patriarch of Serene's religion. Um, mm-hmm. And does Serene talk much about him in this chapter? Because I know she talks about him later. So we don't learn much except that Serene has a low opinion of him. So Serene, so there's Ian Dell, and he's part of the guys club and he's very devout and he really loves this Pope guy. And Serene's like, I have been around this Pope guy for a long time and he's really not that great. Ian Dell's like, what? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And then this is the line that I highlighted. Serene scowled. You don't have to ward off evil, Ian Dell. I'm not going to reject Domi, her God, just because he put a fool in charge of his church. Fools need to have a chance to serve too. What do you think? Pretty rude. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me let me think about this. Well, I don't know. Can you be more specific? 
So Serene's saying that this priest guy, he's basically a dud. Right. Ian Dell's like, he's not a dud. He's Pope. And Serene says, well, you know what? Sometimes duds need to be in charge on occasion too. What do you think about that sentiment? I don't know. I mean, I get, I get what she's saying. Maybe, maybe it's not too harsh. Maybe she is just calling it what it is. Maybe because I'm coming from more of a faith background where I'm like, well, you still got to respect them. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of where I'm like, I'm kind of with Ian Dell. Mm-hmm. But, but I also get, there are people who like aren't great leaders and they do bad things and you do need to call that out. Right. I agree with calling it out. The part that I, I really bristle at is that the fools need to have a chance to serve too. And well, maybe what she's saying is that they have a chance to serve, not lead. Right. She doesn't say lead. She says serve. But the sentence before that is he put a fool in charge of his church. I Yeah, I guess my overall sentiment is that fools have no, no space in leadership. But what if it was like God ordained? And they were a dum-dum? Yeah. Well, maybe if he magically made them not a dum-dum, then that's okay. <laughs> but if he's just going to leave them as a dum-dum and be like, you're in charge now, then that's going to be a hard no for me. <laughs> maybe there's a special purpose for the dum-dum. I mean, maybe there's like one of those movies where it's like the dum-dum's like in charge and he's making all of these things where you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And then every time he does it, it kind of works out. Yeah. So, okay, in that one scenario, maybe. <laughs> um, but I do think the the sentence, fools need to have a chance to serve too, being that everyone has a place. Whether I think what you believe is silly or not, it's like you have a place. I think that's true. Yeah. I don't know that silly people have a place in leadership though. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I definitely do. I did like that last line of fools need a chance to serve too. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're saying. I'm like, there is a place for everybody. Um, Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't choose a fool to be my leader. But I do feel like if someone's your leader, there's some level of authority and like respect. I mean, the respect that you give everybody, you know? Right, exactly. You feel like, Serene should, even if she feels that he has these faults, she should perhaps speak about some of his positives. Um, or let's see, or I mean, not even speak of some of his positives. What she said was, Senelon is a self-serving egotist with enough pride to make a Dorothy Gjorn look humble. Like, you don't have to say that. (laughs) <laughs> that's correct you don't have to say anything positive if it if it's not true if you don't think it that is true so a line shortly after that kind of chastises serene a little bit so royal says to serene um royal was laughing quietly to himself what serene demanded royal it's just that i was considering something serene i don't think i've ever met anyone male or female that's quite as opinionated as you are 
then you lived a sheltered life, my Duke, serene, informed. And then she like goes on. Um, so to me, Royal saying that is kind of like to your point where it's like serene, if she has an opinion, she has to say it. And she just has to say it exactly as she thinks it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can be foolish in some things and wise in others. And you might argue Serene is a little foolish when it comes to tact sometimes. I think Serene's very foolish when it comes to tact. And not all the times, though, because, like, she did make those deals with um, with Aiden. Like, she, she's done some tactful things. But I think when she's putting on a facade, she can play the part. But when she's just being serene, she just lets it all hang out. And you're just like, maybe that serene should stay like a little more hidden. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Personal serene does not have much tact. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Um, Also a note, Senalon, Senalon, I don't know how you say his name. Um, but he's the patriarch pope guy of Serene's religion. Mm-hmm. And he has the Aeon Allah in his name. Do you remember what that one means? Oh, no. What does it mean? It means beauty or handsomeness. That makes sense. Because when he eventually emerges, he sounds very much, if you've watched Game of Thrones. Have you? I okay, have. Well. All right. Well, the Game of Thrones, there's these people. And what are they called? I want to say Dorothy, but I know that's not right. Because that's what these people are. This book is. Yeah, let me look it up. But there's these like dragon people and they have like purple eyes and blonde hair and beautiful skin. Oh, yeah. Okay, I looked up dragon people. What are they called? That's kind of what I imagine Serene to look like. Yeah, I agree. Targaryen. Targaryen people oh Targaryen yeah I see that Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of what I imagined Serene to be also very beautiful blonde hair Um, but in Serene's case believing that she's ugly for some reason Um, unreliable narrator but yeah okay mm -hmm. so anything means beauty and I don't know we'll see if that comes up again Mhm. Alrighty. So from there now, um, Serene and Royal talk, but well, it's actually okay. So now we're coming into Serene talking with a few of the people in the guys' club. Ian Dell's mm-hmm. there, like we've said. Ahan comes. Um, Lukel's there. I think that's it. Oh, Shudin's there. Maybe it's pretty much everybody. So a whole gang is here and they're like, all right, so Iodin died. What's going to happen next? And they're realizing that um, based on money things, Duke Telvary is actually the next in line. Mm-hmm. And he's going to take the throne. And they realize that Royal doesn't have enough money. Serene doesn't even have enough money. But if you add their wealth together, it's more than Telvary's. Mm-hmm whoa so then that leads them to the reasonable conclusion that what if royal and serene got married because it's been a very reasonable two weeks since her husband died yes he's not mourning anymore 
Yes. Correct. Now, it says in the book, for the second time in only two months, Serene was engaged to be married. But we can assume she was engaged at least two to three weeks before she decided to leave Tiod. So it's probably exactly as you said. She's been in Arleon for two weeks. Yeah, right? Or no, it's probably been more than, I don't know, honestly, anymore. Maybe it's been a month. Maybe I'll give them a month. I bet a month. A month sounds right. I'll give them a month. Yeah. So So what do you think about Serene and Royal being engaged? I, I just have weird feelings about Royal now i used to, i used to think it was really great but i've just been getting some i think there's something else there to where i'm like mm-hmm. this sound this seems a little gross and not a big fan of this um i do think it sounds like a reasonable like political thing to do of like okay well they'll both now they'll be able to take the throne and that's better than duke tellery taking the throne um yeah like politically it's like okay that seems like the next best move personally don't love it and i don't want this for serene i want mm-hmm. um ray odin to come jump out and be like i'm here and fix everything what do you think about the line royal found her serene's eyes like those of a benevolent grandfather <laughs> so gross but i can't i can't get married no, and he's a grandfather. Now, Royal, in his defense, I don't know if he says it in this chapter or the next, but he's basically like, there's not, like, there wouldn't be expectations. Right, right. I, for I them to go it. to Plowtown. <laughs> Is that what they're calling it these days? That's what I would call it, Plowtown. <laughs> yeah, I did appreciate that. I was like, okay, this makes me feel a little bit better. Because Serene was like, well, but don't you want it a hair? And he's like, no, no. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's that's good. And, you know, and Royal still does have a lot of really good advice in this in this chapter. He said the thing to Serene about, um, what was, oh, about being opinionated. He, uh, he has a line here where Serene's being hard on herself. And he says, you're an excellent judge of character, Serene, except your own. Often our own opinions of ourselves are the most unrealistic. You might see yourself as an old maid, but you are young and you are beautiful. And so like he he does have a lot of good lines and a lot of good wisdom. So, but I still get a weird feeling from Royal. I still get a weird feeling from Royal also, but that particular line I noted because we had talked about how Serene's always like, I'm so beautiful, blah, 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 blah. That's why people don't like me. And we had ideated the possibility that serene might not be a reliable narrator in terms of how she's being perceived by others right and so this line to me this is like the first time where we get confirmation that serene's perceptions of how people see her is not accurate yeah which is important now that we're more than two-thirds through this book all of Serene's chapters had a layer of unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. They had a layer of insecurity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So Royal's coming in with some truth here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So they're like, okay, we're going to be engaged, but it's only going to be for four days. And we're going to get married the day that we bury Iodon, the king, because they want zero, zero gap between Serene being royalty. <laughs> She's like, I've gotten used to this. I ain't moving. <laughs> she ain't moving. They're going to, on top of his grave, on top of his tombstone, have their wedding. Yeah, I was like, what? This can't be real. All of this, I was like, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I I know. <sighs> yeah, and honestly, you can tell through this that Serene also feels uncomfortable, too. At least that what makes you say that. Maybe we see it more in her next chapter, but um, let's think. Like when she says it's a four day engagement um, or like, so she's asking like, okay, well, when do you guys think we should, you know, do this thing? And Royal says the day of Iodin's funeral, because technically Iodin's reign doesn't end until his burial. And then Serene thinks four days, period. It would be a short engagement indeed, period. I took Mm -hmm. that as, oh, bummer. I thought I'd have some more time to get used to this. Mm Mm-hmm. So a couple lines after, this is what I took and I had a different perspective. Serene laid her hand on that of the Duke, smiling at the sweetness in his tone. All things considered, my Lord, I think I'm rather fortunate. There are very few men in this world I would actually consider it an honor to be forced to marry. So I kind of took it as that even though Serene's kind of like icked out about it all because she's like, this is my grandpa. I feel like Serene is just so obsessed with the idea of being married. She's like, I'll be married no I didn't take it like that you don't think so no I think she's just making the best of a bad situation she's yeah. forced to do this and I don't like it but like there are worse people to be forced to marry but I don't think she's happy mm. that's what I, I think that's probably an accurate read on it I see what you're saying too because she has been especially recently talking a lot about wanting to be married so I, I do see mm-hmm. what you're saying so, you know, I don't know. Well, because also part of this is she says somewhere here where she's like, oh, man, I thought I'd have um, another chance to be married. Let me see if I can find the line. Serene blushed, looking down. Still, his words were encouraging. Perhaps she did have hope. She would probably be in her mid-30s, but she would have at least one more chance to find the right man. Yeah, it's probably that line. Yeah, and it's like, this isn't the right man. Yeah. This isn't the marriage. And she does want to be married and not to Royal. Yeah. So, but he does have a very fitting name. So I guess we should have seen this one coming. Yes. And so when I was listening back to our podcast, we had talked about what everyone's name means. And Royal's name means helper. Oh, that's right. And at the time when you were saying it, when we were talking about it, you said it didn't seem to fit because he seemed more of a leader versus a helper. Right. But now that we're here, what are you thinking? Oh, what a good question. I'm so glad we've been listening to ourselves so much. (laughs) I know. I'm obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Now, you know, I, I, I do think that is more fitting. 
I think also because now I realize like, oh, Royal is an old guy. And I think he definitely was a leader, but now he is more in that like mentor guide role kind of thing. So he is the helper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have a conspiracy, which I probably mentioned last time. So I've talked about how I think Royal is possibly the spy. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my predictions when I read this chapter is that he's actually still on Iodin's side. That somehow mm. he planned all of this. And so he's Iodin's helper. Interesting. Well, so I was just going to say that Royal was Iodin's helper because he said in an earlier chapter that he helped Iodin create this world. Right. And he still likes it. Interesting. I don't know, hmm. but I know. So he he's pretty complex because, well, I guess he hasn't actually done anything bad yet, but I'm expecting he's going to. But mm-hmm. he still also has all these wise lines. Yeah. So. Well, we'll definitely keep our eye on it. Um, But this chapter rounds out with the big cliffhanger. Wow. That Harathan has been healed from Elantris. And so he's now unspotted and flesh colored. And now he's like knocking on the doors saying, let me out, let me out, let me out. I'm cured. And it's gotten all the way to Serene. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Ready for chapter 36? Yep. This was kind of nice because we were on like a cliffhanger and then it goes immediately into Harathan. Yes. So it worked out well. All right. So we're on chapter 36. This one is um, also in the trilogy of chapters called Ash, which means light or illumination. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in this one, we have Harathan and he's been healed and he is making his way out of Elantris. Um, and on the way, he catches up on the last five days of news. And a lot has happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and no one is happy that Harathan is healed. But Harathan feels very good about himself. And then mm-hmm. Assassin. That's my summary. The Assassin? Yep, there's an Assassin. That's That's a cliffhanger in this chapter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you want to go, what was your first line that first you highlighted? Line, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you said that Harathan was like banging on the doors to get out of Elantris. Um, mm-hmm. All the guards have left guarding, they've stopped guarding Elantris and Harathan mm-hmm. doesn't know why. So, but all he knows is that he's trying to get out of here and there's no one to open the doors for him. And he has this thought of like, oh my gosh, what if I die in Elantris because of starvation? Because it's been like five days now and I'm about to die. And that would be terribly ironic. And that would have been awful. But his next line is, he didn't regret his actions. He had behaved in the most logical way. It had been desperate logic, but rational nonetheless. And so I just, I highlighted that line because it just shows he's he's a man of logic until the end. Like he's willing to die on this mountain mm-hmm. of whatever he has logic his way to. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I had a few lines highlighted before that. So Harappan, before he's just before he's healed, he's as Chrissy said. He's very hungry. He's starting to enter these delusions, kind of these memories of his past. 
And then he has memories of Dakor, which we know is like a really scary monastery that trains these crazy monks. And so it kind of, we kind of go into this memory of Hrathen as a child and he's in Dakor and then he's just thinking about all of it. And then he says, Rathbor Monastery trained assassins. Vigeldor Monastery trained spies. Dakor, Dakor Monastery trained demons. Whoa. So what do you think? I thought that was that was a wow line. I thought like that really that was a mic drop moment. Um, I don't see Harathan as a demon though. He seems mm-hmm. like a really kind and misguided demon. He's doing some demonish things, but he's really he's he's trying to do his best. I could see Diloth as a demon. Maybe he went to Dakor too. See, I could see Diloth as a demon also. But what we do know about Harathan is that when some of the Elantrians tried to come and get his um, food that he had, his little seeds and his wine flask. He, I don't know if we mentioned this in the recap, but he had these like crazy cat-like reflexes and he just destroyed anyone who tried to come up to him. Right. And then we found out, okay, he not only knows a lot theologically, but he is like a trained crazy monk yeah okay that's true um and yeah that that wasn't a kind thing to do (laughs) 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 that was a little demonish that's true i mean i think there is something where it's like if you're on quote unquote if you go to prison it's like maybe you kind of need to assert your dominance so i can definitely understand and empathize with the desire to be like okay you're not gonna mess with me yeah because I can take care of myself. So I wouldn't say that his actions necessarily were demonish, but we do see that he seems to have to be very strong, very fast. Yes. So are we trying to figure out like, what do they mean by demons? Is it just like a killing machine? Do you think? Yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think? I don't know. By demon, I kind of, I understood it immediately as someone who is just so turned from good they are willing to do any amount of evil Mm. and I guess being physically trained would give you the tools to do that yeah I mean that would kind of surmise Pratham right he's so fixated on this goal that he will compromise any of his beliefs if he thinks that it will achieve what he needs to do right and you know i guess because harathan thinks he's doing a good thing so maybe a demon is more they've inverted what is good and what is bad Mm. maybe that they don't even know anymore yeah yeah but harathan seems to be cracking a little bit he's Mm -hmm. he's questioning if this is a good thing so my one last line in this little section I just thought it was kind of funny. He so this is when he's still thinking about if he's going to die of dehydration and hunger. And he says, had he continued in K, he would have grown more impotent with each turning day. No, it was much better to die of dehydration. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh. And so it's like, you know, he'd rather die of dehydration than like lose power. But also I kind of took it as like, 
I, I guess impotent doesn't really mean this, but it reminded me of like, when you need to ask someone for something, but you're like, I don't want to be an inconvenience. I'll just suffer through it. And it's like, you're dying <laughs> or something. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't need clean water. <laughs> I'll just keep drinking the dirt water. I don't want to ask any, I don't want to be a bother. So I definitely have felt exactly as you're describing. I think that particular line with Raffin though, is that he would rather die a martyr than live a life as an unimportant person. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, all right. So now this brings us to the next part. What happens here? Or what was your next line you had? Well, so my next line was that it was talking about the potion that he had taken. And so he had contacted someone who wasn't Dorothy and he had a very low opinion of him. And he's like, he's a goob. And then the goob turns out to really do a great potion. And so the line that I highlighted was, but Harappan had misjudged the apothecary. He had done as asked, even if the effects had lasted a bit longer than expected. And so that was just me underlining again, this theme of people underestimating others because they have particular prejudices or stereotypes against them. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. But that's all I had for a little bit. Yeah. I don't really have any lines picked up, but, um, as he's banging on the door, eventually uh, guards do come and the guard who comes is the one who Harathan has been trying to pay off. So all mm-hmm. of his little bribes have worked because now he's the one who saves Harathan from Elantris. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he's, as Harathan is walking out, he's saying, Lord Jadith has heard my pleas. And he's, he's attributing his, you know, miraculous healing, of course, to Jadith so that everyone will convert. Um, and as he leaves, he has a nice little farewell to his Lantrian friends. And he says, enjoy your damnation. Shuts the gate. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so quick question. Suppose you knew, suppose you knew if you falsified a miracle, you would convert 1,000 people. And your religion is correct and it's right. And if you're not converted, you're, you know, damned to wherever. So if you do a little fib, you would convert a thousand people. Would you do it? I know. I mean, when you're faced with an option like all hell's breaking loose on tax day, and I know the day it's happening and I can confirm these are terrible things that are going to happen to you. I think I have more sympathy for that, mm-hmm. but still no. <laughs> yeah. Because this reminds me of when I was listening back on our previous podcasts, everyone can go listen back to episodes one through three. They're just so great. They um, are. They are. But we had one part where we talked about truth. Remember that? Yes. Mm-hmm. With yeah. Yeah. Right. And we talked about like, you know, is there a truth that you're, you'd be willing to die for? And like, does truth change? Things like that. And I'm still on the bandwagon that truth is truth. You can't change it. And the truth mm-hmm. thing is, Jadith didn't heal him from this. 
Yeah. So, so I, I, I think you can't, don't think I could do it. I think fundamentally we, as people are not ends justify the means. That said, I don't know that we've ever been in a place of needing to evoke such a drastic measure. I think that's a great point. Yeah. If we were in the same situation and we actually felt like we had a thousand people's lives on our hands, yeah, that might change things. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. it's the burning building. It's really easy to say what you're going to do when the building is burning. But once you're inside a building that's on fire and you feel like your life is in danger, it's your choices might be different. Right. Yeah. What What do you think? What would you do? And what do you think of Parathen's choices? I can, I can understand why he did it. I think before I would go to the stage of trying to try to deceive people with this miracle, I feel like I probably would have just bend the knee to deal off. Oh, let him do everything? Well, now I don't know because Diloff is a master murderer and he wants to kill everybody. I know. And then you're like condoning that. Or did you just put a fool on the throne? Like, <gasps> <talking> about. <sighs> now I'm really torn. That's tough. I think, I think if I had done it, Maybe I would go in and I would just try to assimilate with the Elytrians for a little bit. I don't think I would make like such a show of it. I don't know. I don't know if that's any better. But like at the end, would you still attribute your miraculous healing to Jadith? Probably. It's kind of the same. It's pretty much the same. Yeah, I guess I would. Do, I would do what he did. Yeah. If those were my options, I think I would right. do what he did. Right. You don't have a lot of good, good options there. Yeah. And you are doing it with good intentions of why well, I, I need to save all these people. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to die. Yeah. Or maybe you just don't want to be a failure. Maybe. I think. No, I'm not I saying think that's. Rathen. I was going to say, I think a big motivation of Harathan not bending the knee to Diloff is because he wants to feel important and he doesn't want to be seen as a failure. He already had the failure in Duladel. And I don't know that his ego can survive another failure. I don't think it can because he'd rather die of dehydration than be impotent. He's reaching the end of his rope too. Yes. So I don't know. So the next scene, Hrathen catches a glance of Serene. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he sees Serene. So yeah, so now he's made out of Elantris. The guard let him out. And now he's doing his whole parade throughout the whole city. To say that yes. like, everyone, it's me. And I thought it was interesting because I don't know if you if you thought this too, but I felt like I was picking up on some Jesus symbolism here again. 
maybe it's because mm. it's just like vague enough to where it's like sure that can be related to jesus or maybe it actually is i don't know but there is a line where he's walking through and it says that he's making a show of all of his um of his clothing was still stained but he held himself as if to make a as if to make the grime a badge of pride and so mm-hmm. like the shirt signaled his suffering and showed like you know how great he was and there's a line where um oh a woman or maybe just someone wanted to reach out to touch his Elantrian robe in awe oh yeah mm-hmm. so I was getting some some uh oh what was I saying I, I agree was, yeah yeah illusions yeah yeah, I was getting an allusion to, you know, the woman who reached out and was healed when she touched Jesus's robe. I think there's definitely part of that. And I was just looking to see how long was Harathan um, in Elantris. He was there for five days, not three. But even still, it's like that probably goes more to the miracle where it's like you thought he was dead for five days and he comes back and it's like he's revitalized, he's healed. All of these people are so impressed. Right now. Yeah. So I thought that was a line that I highlighted. So this is Rathen's justification for our problem where we were like, I don't know what I would do. Blah, 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 blah. It didn't bother him, Rathen, that the miracle was an effect of Fortin's potion. Rathen had found that most supposed miracles were either natural or the result of human intervention. Jadith was behind them as he was behind all things, using natural phenomena to increase the faith of man. So Harathan's saying that even by tricking these people, Harathan gave me the intelligence and the connections in order to trick the townspeople. And if it leads them to be safe, then that is good. Right. That's a good way to logic yourself to this Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. is to just kind of think what you want and then say and Jadith put it all together and that's just kind of always the background well and to Harathan's point what he uses to like buttress his claim is that when he had that potion for Serene he wasn't sure that she was going to get it on time right because if she had come down with the illness after the marriage then it would have been a moot point. Right. But it happened at the last second. Right. And so in his mind, he was like, that was my God making sure that everything went exactly as it needed to go. Right. But it was still Harathan pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um. Yeah. Did you have another line here? Um, I have another one with Diloph and Krathen. Ooh, I have one with um Serene. Where does he where is that line where he sees Serene? Oh, okay, okay. All right. So as he's walking down, he's like feeling really good about himself and he's looking at everybody. Um, and he sees the Teo princess's head poking out of a carriage window. And in mm-hmm. that instant, Rathen felt a sense of fulfillment that rivaled the day he had been consecrated as a Giorn. 
His healing wasn't just unexpected. It was unfathomable. There was no way Serene could have planned for it. For once, Harathan had total and complete advantage. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this whole section was just Harathan having that um, approval or proving to himself that he's enough. He's like, look, I can outsmart Serene and I can have a successful plan and I can carry it all the way through. And like that is, that's what he's here for. Yeah, I feel like Parathen's starting to conflate what his religion is with what his personal motivations are. Yeah. And it's it's becoming more and more blurred because he's talking about how he's like, oh my God, like allowed me to do all these things. And like, look, like I'm so smart. I outsmarted everyone. I'm so great. Blah, 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 blah. And it kind of just seems like he's doing a lot of things for his own, his own ego, his own purposes, and then trying to tie it back to, oh, well, this was religiously motivated. Even though it wasn't. That's interesting. I think, I think I definitely do, do see that. Or like, he's kind of becoming his own God, right? Mm -hmm. He's the one doing the miracles. He's the one pulling the strings. Mm Mm-hmm um do you think that's his motivation between behind all of this like his main motivation was proving that he's enough or was his main motivation converting everybody I don't think his motivation was ever converting people I think his motivation was always to be important and I think we're seeing we saw a phase where he was questioning is that good is that bad and then he decided it's a good thing and now he's leaning into it and now it's going to just balloon oh that's super interesting i like that perspective i hadn't thought about it because what was he questioning he was questioning he didn't have like the emotion he just had the Mm -hmm. logic yeah right yeah and he said oh that's enough okay but i like what you're saying of he was also questioning like is my motive of doing it so that i have done something good and like i'm important is that Mm -hmm. enough and yeah i like what you're saying i think you're right and I think he's trying to like logic his way into passion almost. Oh, okay. Where it's like, if he was quote unquote, like Diloph, let's say, Diloph would come up and be like, my God did all these things. He's so amazing. Look what he did for me. Blah, 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 blah. And Harathan's like, well, I did those things, but it was God who allowed me to do those things. Oh. So it almost kind of, I don't know. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that points again to Harathan wanting to be the the important one. Mm, Yeah. Interesting. Okay, and so he meets all the townspeople and then he makes it to the chapel where he, in the last burst of energy, he's going to fall on his knees and like lead the church service. Um, Yes. And he sees his good pal Diloph. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and Diloph, is the Harathan notes this was a confrontation he had hoped to avoid until he had some rest which I think we've all had those situations yes (laughs) yes that before I talk to you (laughs) but anyways Dilov is very surprised to see him and he seems to have some authentic like reverence for Harathan he says my Herodin he whispered I doubted you my Herodin Dilov confessed 
I thought Lord Jadith had cursed you for incompetence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I see that your faith is much stronger than I realized. I now know why you were chosen to hold the position of Giorn. And it's like, and I think later we we find like this wasn't 100%, you know, authentic or genuine what he's saying. But I I did sense like at least a little level of Dilaf gained some respect for Harathan. I agree. I think Dilaf felt like he was playing Harathan like a fiddle. Yeah. And Harathan kind of turned the tables a little bit and Dilaf was not expecting that. Yeah. So do you think Dilaf has similar motivations of like, I just kind of want to win this game and like, I want to outsmart Harathan and like do all these things. Or do you think Dilaf is actually religiously motivated? So I'm trying to remember back when I had read this chapter. Um, I believe what my take was, was basically that Dilaf is a single note, hateful person. And he wants to serve the person that's most powerful. And he just wants to do whatever that mission is. And yeah. so the only respect that he gives is if like you can show dominance or power. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I, I think that's a good assessment. I think that sounds pretty right. Um, we don't get to see Diloph's inner thoughts because as we know, your outer actions don't always represent mm -hmm. what's going on inside your mind. We've seen that a yep. lot happen. And so we don't know if Diloph actually believes the things he's saying and doing, or if he, if you're right, he's just kind of trying to find power, hates some people and wants to use his power to see the end of them. Yeah. I don't know. So we end this section with Rathen going through his things. He found out that it had kind of been ransacked a little bit. And then he found his Sion, which was in a box. And he opens up the Sion. He's like, did anyone talk to you? And the Sion's like, no, I've been alone. He's like, good. And then he's like, call. Let's see. Oh. I guess that was it. He just wanted to make sure that no one had found his deep, dark secret. And then he drank some wine and went to bed. And he snapped, he slammed the door on the seance. And he said, all right, bye. <laughs> I know. <laughs> poor poor seance. It's like, oh, finally, attention. And then he gets slammed back into the thing. Yeah. But we, uh, the box that the seance is in was like scratched. And so it looked like someone was trying to get into it. So, yes. So d might have had his little grubby hands on it. I think he definitely had his grubby hands on it. Yeah. Um. There's also a note here. Is it about the assassin? Oh, maybe. Oh, you know what? No, maybe. I think. Never mind. This comes up in the next chapter. So never mind. The next okay. chapter. So we we close this chapter and Rathen picks up another priest who had arrived not too long after him. And this particular priest was trained in Rathbor Monastery, which is the assassins. And so Harathan's basically like, are you assassin? He's like, yeah, I'm an assassin. And then he's like, great, I need you. And he's like, what do you need? 
And because he's a Jorn, he's able to employ this assassin to do something. So we're just kind of setting up this feature plot of Harathan trying to assassinate someone. But King Iodin's already dead, so it's kind of like, who's he going to go after next? Who did you think when you first read this? Um, I think when I was reading this, I didn't pick up on any of that. And I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, that's fair. What do you think? <laughs> um, when I read this, I wrote D-Loth. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, he's going to get rid of him once and for all. Yeah, my my gut instinct reading it the second time without being like, oh, I know what's going to happen is that it's Serene. Mm. Or Serene or um, Royal. Royal? Why Royal? Just try to get rid of your oh, competition. Oh. I, I was thinking you meant Rayodin. Oh, right. oh Rayodin. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know each other. Okay, yeah. Okay, royal, royal makes sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So either one of those, just trying to get rid of his competition. All good thoughts. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So the next chapter is really short. So let's get through that. We should add that to our bingo card. I think so. <laughs> How many times do we say the chapter short? <laughs> okay, so this is chapter 37, and we have a new okay. chapter title. These three chapters are called Ian, which means wisdom, and which is also the name of Rayodin's Seon. And mm. it's kind of interesting because the last set of chapters were called Ash, which is Serene Seon. And now we have Ian, which is Rayodin's oh. Seon. Oh, no. And Tarathan just spoke to his Seon. So interesting. Oh, what's the say on all these Seons? I don't know. Did you like my pun? I liked it. So, <laughs> so Ash, what does he mean? Light. He means light. light. Mm -hmm. I I guess what I would say is that it's like we saw like a light on King Iodin. He was quite literally in a sewer. In the darkness, we put a light on that. We sure did. I think we put a light on Rathen. Now we fully know his objective and his goal. He feels very like aligned. Whereas yeah. before he's kind of wishy-washy. Yep. Well, okay. So actually the sewer chapter, that chapter is called Aha, which means breath. <laughs> so the first Ash chapter is when we find out about Shayor. Shayor's men come and bring her wig as a peace offering to Rayleigh. Oh. So maybe they come to the light. Yeah, they come to the light. Rayodin learns more about Elantris and why it glows. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Right. Um, there's a character named Dash who comes, and Dash has the same, has that ash. Mm-hmm. Um, the Serene chapter is the one we just talked about. Yeah. So I guess with Iodin, well, because I said Iodin in the sewer, but like we found out he killed himself. Right. I don't know if that talks about light. Maybe there's like hope because Iodin's gone. Oh, that could be it. And now there's kind of like, maybe there's like a path forward. I don't know. That could be it. I don't know. I Yeah, I feel like some of them, it's more clear how the name relates. I'm not, I guess light though could be a lot of things. Yeah. So. Literal or figurative. Right. So, but these next three chapters are called Ian, which means wisdom. Um, and we're starting with Rayodin, 
and he has another episode one of his pain episodes Mm -hmm. Um, but he also gets closer to to discovering the secret of the door and the problem with Elantris Um, and Rayodin is skeptical of Harathan's recovery and I made a note Rayodin is the only one with genuine friends that was my summary I agree that sounds like a very fair summary (laughs) (laughs) honestly i'd I'd want to be an elantris (laughs) yeah the first line that i have underlined is like halfway through the chapter so i don't know if you have anything on those first pages or two um yes 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 i uh let me see where this was i didn't write down my page number for this Oh, so something that we find out is that when um, Rayodin's having his episode, he's glowing. Oh, yeah. We find that out this chapter. We find out that he's like when he's having the episode, he's glowing. And then the line that I had underlined is in relation to that. So this is Galadin to him. Some people are closer to the door than the others. In Elantris, some people could create aeons much more powerful than others. And some seemed more intimate with the power. So what I was taking from this is that for whatever reason, Rayodin has like a direct connection to the magic and the magic's trying to break out from where it's at. And it can't, like we talked about, it's like the wrong shape. It can't fit its way out. So it's trying to just bust its way through Rayodin's body. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it needs to go through an Aeon and Rayodin is not an Aeon, as far mm-hmm. as but I do have this prediction, um, is that there needs to be unity for the door to get through. Oh, maybe unity between Serene and Rayodin, or maybe unity among the Elantrians. I think you need more than just Rayodin. I think you need two people. I think so. I think that's a good prediction. Oh. Let's um it's more than I usually give you. Um that's the only thing that I have highlighted in this whole chapter. Okay, I have a line I can't find it. It's but it relates to um what Harath to Harathan's chapter. And this chapter is only a page long, so I don't know why I can't find it. Let me look over here. Okay, I really... Is it about uh, Rayodin being skeptical? Oh, maybe. What does that say? Here's a line. Um, So basically, Rayodin's explaining why he's dubious that Rathen was cured naturally. And he says, there was a lot of fuss pulling Rathen from the city. If I were the Wern or the head guy, I wouldn't want a Dorethi Elantrian hanging around to bring shame on my religion. I'd send an envoy to pull him out, telling everyone he'd been healed, and then hide him back in my home country. So basically he's saying the only reason why Hrathen willingly went into Elantris is because he knew that he was going to get out. Yeah, I mean, Raven kind of sees through Hrathen's whole plan. Mm-hmm. we find out later i don't think we see it in this chapter but some of the people were like wow harathan was healed and like they're having some hope from this 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he's not squashing their hope, but he's also like, this ain't right. Yeah. Raven sees it. Okay. That wasn't the line I was thinking of. I actually have the line written down, but it's weird that I can't find it. Um, oh. But my note was Rodin definitely does not believe in a God because the line is they needed to work and improve their own lives, not wait for some external miracle. He turned back to his studies. And so he's kind of doing, I saw some similarities between him and Harathan where he's like, all right, I got to take matters into my own hands. I got to fix this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, and honestly, I mean, Serene doesn't seem to be motivated by faith really either. Like it's kind of a part of who she is, but kind of like it doesn't seem to be a motivating factor for her. Um, so it seems like with Rayodin, Harathan, and Serene, they're both maybe they're relying on their own skills to get out of their situations. And so Rayodin is trying to get out with his studies, and then Harath Harathan is trying to get out with his like schemes and then serene's trying to get out of them with her wit that was my thought yes which i which i would agree so some pushback what if what sanderson is trying to say is that you don't need to have a formal religion or a formal proclamation of your faith in order to do quote-unquote the right thing like maybe you can have some connection to the spiritual world without having a formalized religion like Rayodin. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair too. Also, I mean, I think they can all do the right thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also as I was thinking about that, I was like, well, that'd be a really boring book if they were like praying the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they have to doing their own thing too. So so maybe that wasn't the right like conclusion from that sentence, but it, it did remind me of Harathan kind of getting out of his own thing. Yeah. And I, I would agree that it seems like Harathan's far more religious than either Serene or Rayodin. They seem more kind of casual about it. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so this chapter concludes. So I think the part where you said that people were sad, um, Galadin looked a little crestfallen at the line of conversation about the Jorn getting healed as a mockery of, as a fake. He, like others in Elantris had received a measure of hope from Harathan's healing. Rayodin hadn't said anything outright to discourage people's optimism, but inside he was more reserved since the Jorn's departure, nobody else had been healed. It was a hopeful sign, but somehow Rodin doubted it would mean much of a change in the Elantrian people. They needed to work and improve their own lives, not wait for some extended miracle. He turned back to his studies. That's the line I just was looking for. Yeah, that was the last one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he was just kind of like, we can't just wait around for something to happen. Like, we need to put in the effort to make it happen. Yeah. And Andrew says this a lot. I can't remember the exact quote, but basically it's basically it's like lucky people are people who are like prepared right. for opportunity. Yeah. And the, so it's kind of like a hand in hand. It's like you need to have someone 
come out and say, hey, here's an opportunity or something happens for you that's lucky, but you also need to be prepared to receive it. Right. Or like there's no such thing as luck, only prepared people or something like that. Is that kind of the idea? Well, I definitely think there's a layer of luck to anything. Like I can't, even if I'm so prepared, I can't make something happen. Right. I can't make someone else do something. But if I'm investing in myself and making sure that I'm ready for any opportunity, anytime something comes along and it seems like it's the right fit, then I'm ready to to take it. I don't have to second guess. Yeah. Maybe. Right. But I don't think I have it in me because it's almost 10 o'clock my time to do this next chapter. You know, and it's serene. A lot happens in Serene's chapters. Ugh. Yes. Man, oh man. But I think we had a good, we made some good progress. I think this was good. So what do you want to do for our Bookalicious sign off? I don't know. It's kind of a lot of pressure. Uh, well, we'll see you next time. If you liked it, give us a five-star review. That sounds good. I like that. I like um, that too. And we'll know how long you listened because we're very into these stats. Well, and there's only me and Chrissy right now. So we'll know if anyone else is added. Right. <laughs> Guess what? What? We have 12 plays. What? Yep. We no way. Do. Okay. Um. Yep, two people have played episode three today. <gasps> yep. Wait, I played episode three today. Well, yeah, that's, but but it's saying, but when we first started this show, it said one person. Now it said two, <gasps> two people. So now there's another one? I I think so. I don't know. It's a little unclear because the stats on like where they listen to are still the same. Maybe they're still listening to it. Maybe that's it. Okay. Well, because my Reddit post had um, two votes. Now it has three. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. We we could be getting someone. I know. Hello. Welcome. Hopefully you make it here. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Uh, we didn't think of a, of a goodbye. Okay. Well, this is it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Please like. Please like, subscribe, and give us a good review, please. Yes. Um, let us know if you have any book recommendations. Yep. Yep. And if you have any questions or other things mm-hmm. you'd like us to chat about. That's right. That's right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bookalicious. If you like this discussion, please rate or subscribe to our channel to help other book lovers find this content as well. If you have any questions or suggestions for future books, we'd love to hear from you at bookalicious.pod at gmail.com. As always, thanks for joining our club.